The Big Fight Weekend Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, and Arizona. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and receive a $1,000 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now. Visit winbet.com, W-Y-N-N-Bet.com, and start winning today. We're also brought to you in part by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Check out the new PropSwap.com and use the promo code SGP for your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. And we're also brought to you in part by SoBet. Sign up and bet against your friends and join the social betting revolution at SoBet.io. That's SoBet.io. We're also brought to you in part by Better Fantasy. Better Fantasy is a new free-to-play app that lets you sync your fantasy football league and bet on head-to-head matchups. Download that app today or just head to BetorFantasy.com slash SGPN. That's B-E-T-T-O-R Fantasy.com slash SGPN. And we're also brought to you in part by the SGPN app. Just enter SGPN in the App Store or the Google Play Store to download it today. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Well, hello there and welcome in, everybody. We are back aboard for the latest edition. The only podcast you really need to keep you up to date on everything with the fistic arts, the sweet science inside the squared circle and all those other metaphors for a boxing podcast for the boxing fans. And we look forward to talking about several different subjects. And we even have a title fight that at the time we're releasing the podcast, it is scheduled to come off, despite the fact that there's a late replacement in terms of the challenger. We're going to tell you about him. Joe Smith Jr. out of New York will be defending the WBO Light Heavyweight Championship, the 175-pound title. That is the ESPN top-ranked boxing main event that is coming on Friday night from the Turning Stone, uh, Turning Stone Resort Casino in Verona, New York. Uh, that is a, uh, a staple, really, of the top-ranked circuit in upstate New York for that title fight. We look forward to talking about it. ESPN is going to televise it, so we'll see what happens as everything unfolds with that bout. Uh, coming on Saturday evening. So we'll preview that here in a little bit. A reminder that however you found this podcast, through a social media link, through our friends at Sports Gambling Podcast, their network of shows, sportsgamblingpodcast.com, we thank you for finding us that way. But also follow or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe. We come automatically to you, usually out on Friday, midday Eastern time, Usually lunchtime, midday, previewing the boxing weekend all the way through the Saturday night fights usually that are taking place. It is going to be a little slow through the rest of January here without title fights, but things will pick back up coming in February for a more regular uh, fight schedule. So again, however you found us, make sure that you uh, subscribe. I want to tell you straight ahead, there's controversy involving Terrence Crawford suing Bob Arum in the aftermath of their breakup, the top-ranked boxing deal, the WBO World Welterweight Unbeaten champion is none too happy and believes he is owed a significant amount of money and is now going after 
Uh, the 90-year-old promoter, the legendary promoter of top-ranked boxing in Nevada Civil Court. Try, you don't take the law into your own hands. You take them to court. That's exactly what he is electing to do. Uh, Terrence Crawford here. We knew there has been bad blood. We knew there has been public feuding between these two sides because Crawford feels unhappy that uh, he never got a mega fight under the top rank deal with Errol Spence, with Manny Pacquiao, no big-time pay-per-view. Yes, he had a pay-per-view bout with former champion Sean Porter at 147 uh, last November, uh, but nowhere on the scale of what it would have been had it been a Spence fight, had it been a Manny Pacquiao fight. That's what he's upset about. That's no secret. Now a lawsuit. Now the lawyers are involved. And Dan Lust will be here. Uh, Dan, a great sports law attorney uh, with the Garagos Law Group, also a law professor of sports law at the New York Law School, and uh, also Dan of his own Conduct Detrimental podcast and website. He'll shed some light on this lawsuit. What does it all mean uh, here? What does it ultimately mean besides money, the green, the bread, that Crawford believes that he is owed from the previous contract with top rank. So in any event, Dan will be here straight ahead to shed some light on that. Later on, we'll have more on the top rank uh, fight card, including the odds, uh, including a, a co-feature fight that involves Abraham no- uh, Nova, Abraham Nova and William Incarnacion. That's unbeaten Nova at 20-0. That's 19-1 Incarnacion in the co-feature, in addition to the Joe Smith Jr., title fight with Steve Graffard uh, that is coming on Saturday evening. So we'll go over the odds and we'll uh, take a look at all of that uh, as well uh, here later on in the podcast. All right, a couple of other news items before we get there. Uh, It looks as though on the latest reporting now that the uh, Jermel Charlo-Brian Castaño fight will be happening in March. We've written about this on the site on BigFightWeekend.com. Keith Eideck of Boxing Scene Uh, reported on Thursday that that bout now will not be in Charlo's hometown of Houston, Texas, and instead is apparently on the move for Southern California, perhaps uh, the former Staples Center, what's now known as the Crypto.com Arena in downtown L.A., could be at another location in California. We'll see for March. Uh, Again, it's kind of puzzling why this fight has taken this long to happen, in particular Uh, When it was such a hotly contested battle last summer, and you would have thought these guys would have come around in December or January for the rematch, where Castaño may very well have won that first fight, that there was definitely a lot of interest in a rematch. Well, now it's going to be pushed not just into February, but now into mid or late March when they finalize for Premier Boxing Champions. 154-pound supremacy will be on the line uh, for Jamel Charlo, Brian Castaño in that bout. Uh, so, again, that fight on the move. couple of other uh, news items of note as well. Uh, speaking of Premier Boxing Champions and Showtime Championship Boxing, their December pay-per-view fight card involving Gervonta Davis was to have been with Roly Romero, Rolando Romero, unbeaten lightweight contender. Romero, though, however, had sexual assault allegations against him involving an estranged girlfriend, and the uh, the bottom line is, now that we get to January, a month and a half or so, really eight weeks later, the cases, uh, plural, a couple of them being investigated, have been closed by Henderson, Nevada authorities. So that report coming down, and Romero took to social media earlier in the week, proclaiming his innocence. 
and uh, and saying that, hey, I, I feel vindicated, essentially. Uh, we wrote about this story. So Romero easily lost the highest payday of his career. He claims that it may have been a seven-figure payday to fight Gervonta Davis, one of the rising uh, stars in the smaller weight classes on pay-per-view. Instead, Davis fought Mexico's Isaac Cruz in a, in a tough battle, a 12-round decision. Who knows if Romero's ever going to get a shot at Gervonta Davis again, but he lost this shot in no small part to the sexual assault allegations, which, again, the Henderson, Nevada authorities thoroughly investigated and did not find credible enough to bring to trial here. So that basically clears Romero in this case. So just as much as we talk about these incidents or write about them on BigFightWeekend.com, when they happen, when they sidetrack a fighter here, in this case, he's vindicated. He was proclaiming his innocence back in November and said these charges are not true. And so now the authorities are basically agreeing with him that there's not enough to substantiate the allegations that were being made. And so therefore, we have to also say that Roly Romero deserves the benefit of the doubt here, and maybe he will get back into the title mix. He's been an aloof character, kind of a wild character with a funky boxing style. Let's see if he gets back uh, for big action coming uh, in the near future in 2022 or elsewhere. In any event, there's your news kind of for this week. Again, more of a preview of the top-ranked card in the ring. Upcoming Turning Stone Resort, Verona, New York. We'll do that in a little while. But now let's get more into this Terrence Crawford situation with Bob Arum, the lawsuit for breach of contract. What kind of chance does he actually have to get his money? What's really going on here? Is there really racial bias? And how hard is that to prove upcoming? Um, Let's get into all of that right now here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. As promised, when I need some legal insight, some legalese, some legal help, I go right to this guy, Love his sports law background, his passion really for contracts, sports law, lawsuits, all of those things. The Conduct Detrimental podcast and website is fantastic. We love Dan Lust. That is Professor Dan Lust of the New York Law School and the Garagos Law Firm. He is back aboard on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Professor, it is good to have you to impart some wisdom on this whole Crawford versus top rank stuff, juicy as it is. Good to be with you, my friend. Happy New Year. Good to be with you as well. Listen, if they don't they don't make you grade 65 exams of law students and not let you call yourself a professor. So I'm going to be a professor for as long as I can. I, so just, I, love I, that. I, I love that. Class is in session now on the podcast, if you will. Um, okay, so this is obviously sensational stuff out of the ring because Terrence Crawford is a prominent undefeated boxer and Bob Arum is one of the most prominent promoters in the last 60, 70 years of boxing. That's how long he's been involved really in the game since the late 1960s, essentially, uh, with this. With the understanding it has been hard to come by to find the whole lawsuit. You've read up a bunch on it. I've read up on it some with excerpts and with parts of it. The gist essentially is Crawford is claiming racial bias against him by Aram and is wanting monetary damages. Uh, what, what is your read? Because this is obviously your wheelhouse on what is up here and the lawsuit from what you can gather about it. Um, here, here's what struck me first. And I, and I have a couple of cases of this in my own practice, right? Sometimes what's more interesting about the suit is what happens before the suit. So this, um, I imagine most lawsuits, most lawsuits of of this type, there's maybe a draft of a complaint that's sent out say, hey, 
listen, if you don't settle up with this, this lawsuit, right, could look really ugly. And, and what I can tell you just, I mean, what, what the gist of what we're getting, this is a breach of contract case. And it's a breach of contract case shrouded in some really messy racial allegations. No, it's not. I mean, I, I guess the, the sense of that he's alleging why this contract was breached is because, um, you know, Aram is just, uh, you know, is racist, right? I think that's what, what Crawford is insinuating. But at the heart of this case is breach of contract. So at least my initial gut reaction is that, and I, I don't know this to be fact, this is, this is how it would normally happen in litigation. Crawford and his people said, hey, settle up with us or we're going to draft a really ugly complaint against you. And if, you know, Aram doesn't blink at that point, he goes, listen, here's a draft of a complaint. Um, last chance. You know, if you don't want to do anything, here's 48 hours, here's 72 hours. Uh, and if nothing's done, we're going to file this thing and it's going to look really bad. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, Aram has since responded um, with his own statement. But yeah, I, I, my, my sense, right, is, is that, that that's what happened. This is a really ugly complaint. And if you had kind of given the warning shot, maybe you have a little bit of leverage, hey, settle with us, this won't come out. Um, but at some point, someone's got to blink, someone's got to fire the first shot, and, uh, and Crawford did it. So it's a loaded, loaded allegations here, certainly. But um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to a lot to chew on here. And uh, clearly, there has been—I'll use some some big words too—acrimony. There's clearly been problems. There's clearly been back and forth because Crawford's been frustrated that he couldn't get a mega pay-per-view fight that might pay him ten million, twenty million. Uh, depending on how the pay-per-view did, et cetera. Uh, so again, to go over some of the important facts as we know them, he signed a contract extension with Top Rank. This is in the lawsuit. The Top Rank contract extension was agreed upon and apparently signed somewhere late 2018 to be a three-year contract extension for 2019, 2020, 2021. What they're alleging in the lawsuit was that as part of that extension, Crawford was supposed to fight twice a year. In the 2020 COVID-19 pandemic year, he only fought one time. So they are saying the average amount that you were paying us for these fights is around four and a half million or at least four and a half million dollars. You owe us a fight he didn't get four and a half million dollars monetarily, like you said, breach of contract on that. And then here's what's also interesting. And I touched on this right before you came on here on the podcast is this supposed agreement that if he didn't get the mega fight with Errol Spence, the unified welterweight champion, that supposedly Aaron was going to pay him a million-dollar bonus. That had been out there in the media. A million-dollar bonus if I can't make that fight for you by the end of 2020. Now we're talking a year ago. It now in the court filing is supposedly a $900,000 bonus. That if, you, if we can't make that fight, you're going to get even more money on top of the fight you're supposed to have. So I thought that was interesting. They're spelling out financially at least this is what we think we are owed according to this contract like you said breach of of contract what's your reaction to to me laying all of that out dan um you know it, it, you have to kind of quantify i think the number they're looking for is upwards of, of 10 million and you have to get there right it can't just be all speculation um you know part part of it too right let's you, you kind of have to speculate with some of these damage it's not going to all be quantifiable if you wanted higher level fights and you believe that that was or promised to you under the contract, let's say you win one of these higher level fights and that person is certainly going to get higher with it. So, you know, we haven't seen the complaint, but I imagine, right, that that's got to be part of it. Right. Certainly, if you think you're entitled to an extra four point five million dollars in a fight you didn't get, uh, you know, an, an extra million we're getting closer to 10. We're not quite there. But then you have to figure out. If you were the unified champion, right, if you were the undisputed champion, um, you know, at your weight class, you're certainly commanding more money per fight. So, um, you know, it's an upward trajectory, right? Fighters aren't going to fight into their 50s and their 60s. And 
unless you're unless unless you're certain guys, but um, <laughs> I, I'm not recommending it. But yes. you have a very a short window of earning at the top of your peak physical condition, and I think that's at the heart of this lawsuit. That Crawford is saying, "Listen, my my peak earnings." 2019, 2020, 2021, I signed up with you. You didn't deliver. You didn't uh, take me to the levels, peak levels of earnings I should have been. So I imagine, right, again, we're, we're going to see the complaint at, at some point. Um, but, uh, yeah, I imagine that that's got to be part of, of trying to fill in fill in the gaps here. Voice of Dan Lust. Again, the Conduct Detrimental website and podcast. Love his insight. Whenever we need, we put the bat signal up whenever we need contract, law, or interpretation. He's been on with us before about Canelo Alvarez trying to get out of his promotional contract with Oscar De La Hoya. Uh, we also talked with you when Deontay Wilder successfully won the arbitration case to get a third heavyweight title fight with Tyson Fury. He's always good about coming on with us. So this one is just kind of interesting because it is an actual lawsuit, at least for now, unless there's a settlement that involves the monetary part of it by a fighter who has now exited top rank he fought the final fight of his deal with top rank last november interesting because we love this and when, and when you have to put it at the court filing he got six million guaranteed uh that that's curious because that's a hefty guarantee when there was a lot of thought that that fight wasn't going to draw a bunch on pay-per-view so he was I'm just, this is me saying this. He was pretty well taken care of with the guarantee in that situation. Maybe top rank trying to make up a little bit uh, for what went on. Uh, speak more to this. I, I've had other lawyers say this. You and I have kind of talked about this in no uncertain terms a couple of other times. Isn't this going to come down to not only what does the contract say, but what can you document happened? That's as critical as anything correct on can you document what did or didn't happen in front of a judge or an arbitration panel or whatever right yeah i mean yes i, I think that's important number one right uh what evidence what proof do you have and if you're a plaintiff in a case in a civil case or something you generally understand something called the preponderance of the evidence you have to basically show preponderance Preponderance is a really fancy legal term that just means 51%. It's more likely than not that you win your case. Criminal court, people will get these standards confused. That's beyond a reasonable doubt. That's something like 85, 90% that you feel pretty confident this person committed a crime. That's why in the OJ Simpson case, you know, he can uh, get innocent in criminal court, gets a higher burden, but still be found liable in civil court. That means maybe these jurors found him somewhere between 60 and 70%. That's above preponderance, but maybe below beyond a reasonable doubt. So the, the proof here and the burden is going to be on Crawford to prove his case. So yes, it's what you can prove. The other thing, TJ, which we have not mentioned, right? Some contracts, which we'll, we'll need to see the contract here to really make a determination, but it's very rare that a contract's going to guarantee performance no matter what, right? That's, that's always going to be an issue. And Last I checked, we're still living in a world where people have different sensibilities with respect to the pandemic we're in. Some people are, are over it and some people are still, you know, uh, re respecting it, right? And, and you know, going out and, and worried about certain health and safety protocol. The other part of it, even if it's not a pandemic, right, there's certain terms in a contract called best efforts provision, right? Not if, if Aaron doesn't deliver, it's not necessarily, hey, you didn't deliver, I can sue you for everything you're worth. It's did Aaron make a good faith and, and best efforts to get this done? Sometimes that will protect you. Um, so, you know, we, we're going to have to see what the, the contract says. It, it certainly just because he didn't deliver doesn't mean you can always automatically sue someone. Um, let's say, for example, you, you and I contracted, I was going to deliver you like they have these fun examples in law school, TJ, you know, I'm a, I'm a professor over here, right? <laughs> okay, you know, professor, go ahead. <laughs> like, I'm going to deliver you apples, right? Let's just say that's our term mm -hmm. of our contract. And I and we'd set a delivery date for Monday at 9am and, and you're waiting at your door. It's 901, no apples, right? Um, 
let's say my, my truck broke down or there's a blizzard. There's something that prevented me from doing that. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily my fault. So yeah, I didn't deliver. But yeah. You can't sue me because I didn't deliver because something, something occurred here. So yeah, let's, let's not assume just because he didn't deliver that it's just a matter of Aaron writing a, a check at this point. He might have some defenses here, but we're going to have to see what the contract language says. I agree with that. All right. A couple more uh, here for you. It, it is uh, obviously sensational. It was in the New York Post and everywhere when you're alleging racism here as part of this. Uh, a couple more things. Bob Arum's background originally is a lawyer and a litigator before he became a boxing promoter, uh, a great contract negotiator that helped Muhammad Ali navigate through the late 60s into the 70s, et cetera, and promoting away. Um, that, that is, uh, a lightning bolt accusation and charge just from your standpoint. Uh, what do you make of that? Because a lot of times I think when the average person or the fight fan that's listening to us, when they hear a racial discrimination lawsuit, they want to see like 10 plaintiffs lined up that are, are in a group, a minority group that are obviously being held back because of their race, their ethnicity, uh, the fact that they're female, et cetera, whatever it is. And we can document that we weren't promoted when our white counterparts were promoted, blah, 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 blah. When you're hearing a boxer that's being lucratively paid massive amounts of money, and that's in the lawsuit, how much he was being paid, who's somehow now alleging racial bias uh, in that. Isn't that something that's uh, that's very difficult uh, for a lot of people, I think, to swallow that that would be the reason? Yeah, I mean, let's let's I guess we could break it down. Right. At a certain point, um, what what Aram's kind of have to do and we can talk about his statement a little bit, which which I had the chance to go into. Go ahead. Um, go ahead. You know, there's there's the court of law and there's the court of public opinion. And what we have sometimes in the, in the court of public opinion is that people read the allegations and then they don't they don't really read the retraction. They don't read after all. If someone's accused of being a racist or a sexist or misogynist, that's usually it. Right. And the other person's got to scramble in terms of PR and damage control to try to write the narrative. So once you see those allegations come out on a Wednesday, you have to expect that Aaron's going to fire back uh, and, and try to write the ship immediately. And that's kind of what we have here. So I, I think if you're really trying to figure out the truth of the allegations, hopefully and your listeners, I'm sure listening to this podcast, I'm not, those aren't the people I'm referring to. These are the people that want a deep dive. They want to know exactly what's going on in these allegations. I'm talking about the people that scroll through Twitter and they say, oh, I guess the, uh, there's an allegation against someone. I guess that allegation is true. And they on to the next one. So, yeah, I, I think if you're trying to really weed into are Crawford's allegations true here, you want to find other people that are willing to support him. Um, you know, so if we went through the course of this case, I'm not aware of a cause of action in this case that's based on um, racist allegations. I'm, I'm aware of causes of action that have to do with a breach of contract. Um, but, you know, if you're going to allege that the motivation for Aaron breaching the contract was because of these racial undertones, there might be witnesses called by Crawford's side to support that. You're not allowed to just put um, frivolous information, malicious, malicious information that you know not to be true in a complaint without the lawyer who put their name to the complaint worried about sanctions and costs. So, you know, as a plaintiff's lawyer, the person suing, you have to have something to back it up, right? You have to be ready to back it up. Um, so, you know, I don't know what their, their you know, uh, we'll say fortifying evidence is here, um, but they should have something, right, if they're going to make those claims. They, they apparently, in, in the parts of the complaint that have been out there in the media that I've read, that we've written about, et cetera, uh, they're alleging that Aram's statements, that Aram, Aram and again uh, Crawford were publicly bashing each other at the end of this relationship about whose fault it is and, and about how Aram's losing money. So they're using his quotes 
in the media. They're putting it in the lawsuit about I could have built a huge mansion in Beverly Hills with the money I've lost on this guy. They're, they're using Aram's quotes. He did say that uh, as somehow. But I, I that's a leap to me to connect right. that to skin color. You would right. have to have. Would you not have to have forget these specifics, Terrence Crawford or Bob Aram? you would have to have a situation where the plaintiff would have to demonstrate the white fighters, the non-minority fighters, were getting better deals than what I, the black fighter, was getting, or they were getting deals and I wasn't getting a deal. That's what you would have to demonstrate, would you not, to help prove racial bias as opposed to breach of contract, which right. doesn't have to do with black, white, or, or any other color, right? Yeah. So this, this is the fear, right? And I, I've um, defended my fair share of cases. I've been on the plaintiff side of cases. My strategy, if I'm filing a complaint, less is more. I don't want to back myself into any narrative. If I just want money, right? And I'm alleging breach of contract. I don't know. There's more than one way to skin a cat, more than one way to get to the goal line. But if I'm going to make a complaint that says, he violated and breached this contract because of a racial motivation. I've now walked myself into a corner here and I better have something to back it up because the judge might get angry if I can't back it up, right? The court of public opinion is going to get potentially angry if he can't back that up. So yeah, I, I, you know, there, there's nothing requiring you to put everything in everything, right? To throw the kitchen sink at someone in a complaint um, without getting into all the details. There's something called facial sufficiency. You need to just plead enough that the other side has some concept of what you want and why you're entitled to it. Not every single nook and cranny. That's why you're entitled to discovery. That's why you're entitled to depositions. And that's why you have a trial and people go on the stand and you can hear what people go after about. But the fact that they took the time, and this is kind of to my earlier point, CJ, to make this a case about race likely tells you that there was some conversation that occurred beforehand between uh, you know, Crawford and, Ter and, and Aaron's camp that said, hey, listen, we have this complaint drafted. Uh, it's pretty messy. It's pretty ugly. We don't want to have to do it, but we are going to do it unless you settle up, up with us right now. Um, because you wouldn't, I don't, I don't think strategically, um, if you plan to litigate this case all the way, right, and you're not planning to settle early, it doesn't really make sense to walk yourself into such a narrow theory of why this contract was breached. So, yeah, I, I, I don't, I think from a PR perspective, yeah, I un totally understand from Crawford's perspective. But from a legal perspective, I don't, I don't think you win anything by walking yourself to such a narrow lane of breach of contract. Okay. Uh, again, Dan Lust with us for a few more moments on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, providing insight. Again, it's it's maybe the most noteworthy thing happening this week in boxing because there's not a lot of great fights this weekend uh, whatsoever that Terrence Crawford, the unbeaten WBO World Welterweight Champion, lucratively paid, uh, highly successful, suing former promoter uh, Bob Aram. I love this part of what we do. We get to have conjecture. We get to have speculation. Look into that crystal ball, please. Much like Canelo basically got Oscar De La Hoya to bend the knee and say, okay, you've got me here. Uh, I'm going to let you out of your deal and you can go make your own deals. You're no longer under Golden Boy Promotions. Um, just like uh, Deontay Wilder eventually won at arbitration and was able to prove the rematch clause is enforceable. You, Tyson Fury, and your camp just cannot walk away from the contract because you want to. Look in your crystal ball. What do you think happens here ultimately? Is there a settlement? That seems to be the most likely thing, right? There's some kind of financial settlement that makes this eventually go away. That's me saying that. What do you look in the crystal ball? What do you think happens? I mean, here's the obvious one, right? 98% of cases are going to settle, right? Um, that's that's the gist of it. Right? 98 cases, 98% of cases don't make it to trial. Sometimes they get to, they knocked out on a motion to dismiss. Sometimes they settle, but 
you know, this one to 2% of cases will make it all the way to trial. It takes time and money, but on Crawford side and Aram side, they both have the money to take a case to trial. So, you know, throw out the normal numbers. It's not probably two. It's probably a higher percentage than two. Um, but you just, I think there's some clues in Aram's statement, right? He could have not said anything and not fought back, but I'm just going to read a passage from his statement, right? His vile accusations of racism are reckless and indefensible. That's, that's a key word there, indefensible. He knows it and other lawyers know it. And then you go on. I have no doubt the court, the court will see Crawford's case for the malicious extortion attempt that it is. So what, what that's telling you, the, the term there that was used was indefensible. Um, that means, right, I, that I think Aramside's going to try to get this case kicked out of court. They're going to make a motion to dismiss early on and try to get this knocked out. Um, and then he's going to have to defend it, right? And what Aaron is saying is that it's indefensible, that they're not going to have any way to, to keep this in court, which... We'll see. It's early on. It's very rare that a case would get, or not rare, but unlikely that a case would get dismissed this early on unless there's some procedural grounds and jurisdictional mm -hmm. grounds. But I, I don't think Aram's going to want to settle this, right? Uh, in the court of public opinion, which is, is very important for an allegation of race. If you settle up, they, people are going to assume that you have some guilt, some culpability here. So I think Aram, for his, you know, he's got all the money in the world, right? He's certainly going to fight this. Um, you know, I, I think most likely Red Crawford gets out of his deal, but I don't I don't think it's from Aram kind of uh, keeling over and just giving up and waving the white flag. It looks like he's going to, uh, you know, launch a real aggressive defense here. And I think this isn't a case that goes away in weeks and months because Aram wants it to go away. I think he's going to fight this tooth and nail. So uh, certainly uh, you, can't, you can't think this is going to go all the, all the way to trial, but I think Aram's going to try to get this knocked out before he agrees to shake hands with, uh, you know, one of those Benjamin handshakes, hand, hand him a couple yes. bucks. And yes. Away. And it would be a, a lot of Benjamins probably. And again, an important distinction for you, for what you're doing with Conduct Detrimental, your website and the podcast, the deal is over with and Crawford is a free agent at this point. And part of what they're saying in their lawsuit is they wanted to wait until this is over because technically while under contract by Bob Arum could have sat him out for 2021 and not had fights. They brought this action after the deal is over, after the deal is expired, coming back in. One more thing I, do, I knew I wanted to ask you about this. I don't know how familiar you are with the Vegas attorneys. Brian Friedman and Hector Carbajal are the lawyers. They apparently had success. They did have success in helping another fighter get away from top rank, a former world champion named Mikey Garcia. They previously extricated a fighter out of his existing top rank deal. So it's interesting that that's who Crawford went to Dan lust. These two guys that have had some success before, but again, it's not to get him out of the deal. The deal is over. It's to try to get money after the fact. And we just need to be clear on, on what they're up to. Have you ever heard of those guys? Are they prominent in, in Vegas? Uh, it doesn't mean anything one way or the other. I was just curious because you travel in those circles where you hear this uh, sometimes, it's a, they, they obviously have had a track record of getting a fighter out of a deal with top rank. And that's why Crawford's camp ended up with them. Um, I, one of them is that it's, you said Brian Friedman is one of the lawyers. Brian Friedman and Hector Carbohall the second. Yes. They're based in Las Vegas. They're Las Vegas um, attorneys. I, I think I have some mutual connections with Friedman, mm -hmm. um, but I, I, I don't, I don't know their work personally, but you sure. know, the sports, sports and entertainment circle is fairly light, but the name, I, I think I know one of his former, uh, say former colleagues, former partners. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I imagine, you know, the circle in the boxing world is very small, so it makes sense to go to someone with a proven track record here. And also, you know, if we're just trying to strategize, right, you don't want to take a relative unknown in, in the boxing field. You want to show someone that has had pre previous success 
to try to force uh, force the action here, right? If I'm trying to sue someone in an area, a substantive area of law that I don't necessarily have experience in, what I want to do is, hey, I'm going to bring in a co-counsel who has the substantive experience, and I might have the sports experience, or I might just have the media background to bring publicity to a case, and we'll work together on this. So the fact that he's going after two vets in the industry um, as his counsel, I, I think it's a, certainly a savvy move. Uh, you know, you don't you don't want people, right? You want a Johnny Cochran after he's won the OJ case. You don't want Johnny Cochran before he's done nothing, right? <laughs> um, that, that's generally logic here. So I think that's that's certainly a smart move. Very good uh, analogy on that point. You worked in two different references to the O.J. Simpson case, which, again, that is that is our generation's uh, JFK conspiracy assassination is the is the O.J. Simpson case in the in the modern era uh, here, I would think. Uh, Dan Lust, you did a great job with us here on Big Fight. We can plug away again on where we hear you guys, where we read you online, et cetera, with all of it. Fire away, please, sir. Yes. Uh, thank you, TJ. The podcast is called Conduct Detrimental. Uh, this week, if you're if you're a sport, a, a fan of all things sports, we cover obviously all, all areas of sport. But this week, a heavy focus on Novak Djokovic, who's uh, in the midst of a really messy battle with the country of Australia. So we dove mm-hmm. into that. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, really Antonio Brown's been the flavor of the week with the NFL coaches being fired across the sport. Uh, so yeah, we, we dive into we also have a major league baseball lockout. So uh, we've got a pretty busy uh, last couple of weeks of 2021, but we always come out with a new episode every week. And then we have the website, conductdetrimental.com, where we cover uh, anything, everything sports. And uh, you guys have published for our website as well. So find some boxing news on there as well. We love that. Again, follow him on Twitter at Sports Law Lust. Great sports legal analyst in uh, Dan Lust with the, Go- with the Garagos Law Firm. And again, he's Professor Lust, the New York Law School, uh, teaching this contract law, sports law, I know it's just, this is a passion of yours. And let me publicly again say thank you for coming on with us and congratulations as you continue to grow with everything you're doing. It's a fascinating world with the sports and the contracts and this stuff. And here are roads intersected again, Dan Lust, with a boxing contract mess with Terrence Crawford in top rank. We'll see what, uh, what happens and what happens probably is a settlement, but we'll see uh, how it progresses along. And we look forward to having you back at some point whenever these matters do come up. Continued success to you, my friend. Good luck with the class. Is class back in session now? Is the new semester underway? Professor Professor Lust is underway. Yes. Um, I, I have a, uh, a deal. I'm teaching 65 students in the fall as opposed to 30 fall and spring. So I'm off. I'm off until right. the fall. So now you can delve into your own legal cases there and then get back. Yeah, around now the I fall can. Professor Lust. There we go. Yeah. So uh, we'll be back. We'll be back in the fall. But I have to recover from grading 65 essays <laughs> uh, over my winter break, which was miserable. Miserable. Professor Lust. Listen, Dan Lust, thank you. I appreciate the insight of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. My pleasure. So there we go. Got a little more insight into this whole situation. I tend to agree with Dan Lust that it is probably going to go away in terms of a settlement. If uh, if Bob Arum has his way, probably a check of some kind to make all of this go away. Right now, though, a lot of bravado, a lot of public relations work being done. The court of public opinion, like Dan was talking about, and we appreciate his insight on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. All right, we've got more on the way, including this WBO light heavyweight title fight card that is coming On Saturday night, Turning Stone Resort, upstate New York, Verona, New York. We're ready to talk Joe Smith Jr. and his late replacement for the title. That is coming if you hang with us. 
But first, we're brought to you in part by WinBet. If you're ready to win money and boost your odds, WinBet is here for you. And it's now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. They're bringing you the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards. Everything right at your fingertips. Get all of the best plays for the college football wrapping up. The NFL, obviously down the home stretch of the regular season and the playoffs coming up. They've got the NBA, the NHL, anything that you want with WinBet. And WinBet now has some brand new bonuses. Bet $5 to win $400 in the free bets contest that they have. That includes getting a VIP trip to Shaquille O'Neal's Fun House in Los Angeles. That's right. You bet $20 on WinBet's Build Your Own Bet feature, and you earn a chance to win a once-in-a-lifetime VIP experience for the big game. You and three guests get to go to Shaq's Fun House Two nights at Win Las Vegas, a $5,000 free bet at Win Las Vegas Sportsbook, and a $5,000 travel credit, all as part of this contest. They have great promos like this going on, and all you got to do is go to WinBet and their app, sign up and be able to do it. The odds, the payouts, it's all happening at WinBet. Boosted parlays, live in-game odds, every major sport, everything you need. Plus, if you sign up today, you'll get a risk-free $1,000 sports bet with WinBet. Go to WinBet.com, download the WinBet app, and again, take care of business. It's all happening with WinBet and the VIP trip to Shaq's Funhouse in L.A. for the big game is available. Find out more at WinBet.com and the WinBet app. Brought to you in part by SoBet. Since when is sports betting supposed to be so rigid? Sports betting is meant to be social. When I picture betting, I picture bootleggers with mustaches tossing bets around at a speakeasy. SoBet is taking the social lineage of betting and putting a modern twist on it by providing a modern platform. SoBet is changing the game with their new product. Head over to SoBet.io and create an account and find out for yourself. Fully functioning, free web application. You can access a demo of their app that will launch next fall. That app includes consensus lines from Las Vegas, a feed of what other people are betting on, and the ability to send friendly wagers to anyone you know via a text, a QR code, or links, among other methods. No money is transacted on the app, and it's purely competitive. Next time that you're going to be out with your friends watching sports, turn it up a notch. Go to SoBet.io and see who can hit the most ridiculous bets. Users have the ability to place bets off the Vegas odds or generate a bet by changing the metric if they want, as long as somebody's on the other side to accept it. Let's go back to the roots of betting with SoBet. Go to SoBet.io. That's SoBet.io and join the revolution. And we're brought to you in part by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. If you're not using PropSwap, you're just missing out. PropSwap is America's number one app to buy and sell those sports bets, and you can find the best odds in the country because you're buying directly from other bettors. Use our promo code SGP, and your first deposit from PropSwap will be doubled up to $500. Double the cash means double the odds. And if you love sports betting, you need to be using PropSwap. Sellers across the country list their bets for sale and thousands of buyers visit PropSwap every day to find the best odds on futures, props, and parlays. And the NFL playoffs are here and prop swappers are cashing in like Steve from Tennessee who last week sold his $250 100-to-1 Patriots Super Bowl ticket for $2,500 on PropSwap. 
That means Steve locked in his profit when he turned his $250 bet into $2,500. The buyer got great odds, and the seller made 10 times his bet. The average prop swapper makes $500 a month just buying and selling sports bets through PropSwap. Get started today by going to PropSwap.com or just download the app in the Google Play or the Apple Store. PropSwap, it's where America buys and sells sports bets. And we're brought to you in part by Better Fantasy. The fantasy season might be over, but the action is still coming on Better Fantasy's app. Download their free-to-play app today and bet on player props for the NFL playoffs. You can also enter their player prop pools and score big when you win. We love Better Fantasy because we can win awesome prizes and even raise some money for charity along the way, too. It's totally free to play. You'll earn better credits by competing in challenges and using them to place your bets. Better Fantasy is available worldwide and in all 50 states. Download the app today at betterfantasy.com SGPN. That's B-E-T-T-O-R, betterfantasy.com slash S-G-P-N. And a reminder, the S-G-P-N app is right there live now in the App Store and the Google Play Store. This app gives you easy access to all of our picks, all of our podcasts, everything in the content from the S-G-P-N family of shows and everything that's going on on the app. Don't forget, give us an app review. Download the SGPN app today in the App Store and the Google Play Store. Look for us. It's the SGPN app. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. We do come back in here on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Reminder again, however you have found us through a social media link, through the Sports Gambling Podcast website, through the Sports Gambling Podcast network of shows, thank you for doing so. We are here in the preview mode, constantly on Fridays, uh, releasing the podcast. It's still good for the weekend, for the Saturday fights and fight cards. Again, not a lot to go on for this weekend. It will hopefully pick up some more in February, etc. But for right now, we do have a world title fight ESPN coverage coming on Saturday evening from the Turning Stone Resort and Casino, Verona, New York. Let's get into that right now. Joe Smith Jr. defends his version of the 175-pound title, the WBO Championship, the World Championship, as Joe Smith Jr. comes in at 27-3. and Uh, The last time we saw him was a hotly contested battle with Russian Maxim Vlazov. Hard fought. Joe Smith Jr. got the majority uh, decision in this one and ends up uh, retaining his championship uh, with that decision win back in April in uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So now uh, this has been a delayed title defense and now a switch of opponents uh, for Joe Smith Jr. He was originally supposed to fight Callum Johnson of the U.K., But Joe Smith Jr. got COVID-19 late last year, and so the bout was pushed back into January, and then Callum Johnson has now tested positive back last week. So Steve Graffard, who is a light heavyweight contender at 18-2 based out of Miami, got the sudden call that, hey, you're needed on about eight or nine days' notice here to step in for Callum Johnson and fight Joe Smith for the WBO light heavyweight title fight. Sometimes, as we like to say, your best ability is your availability. 
And Geffrard is available and able to fight at 18-2 and two against Joe Smith Jr. in the main event that is coming Saturday. And one thing that we always like to do is take a, take a look at the odds and the wagering for our friends at SportsGamblingPodcast.com. So Joe Smith Jr. is a decided favorite at minus 1,000 uh, right now into this one at about 10 to 1. Gaffard uh, coming as an underdog at uh, 7 to 1 in this one for Saturday night's main event as the late replacement. The under over at six and a half rounds coming for Saturday night for Joe Smith Jr. He does have 21 knockouts. Uh, to his resume. That that includes him defeating uh, Lidier Alvarez by knockout at the MGM Grand in the Vegas bubble of top-ranked boxing back in August of 2022. Uh, that was a non-title uh, fight win for Joe Smith Jr. Then he won the vacant belt, obviously, against Vlazov with some fans president in Tulsa, Oklahoma, back in April. But he does have 21 career KOs, uh, coming into this fight, the under over at six and a half rounds. And again, I'm very interested as well in this co-feature fight uh, that will be taking place. That includes uh, two talented fighters, Abraham Supernova, originally from Puerto Rico, now out of Albany, New York. Supernova unbeaten at 20-0. and 0. And a 10-round featherweight co-feature fight, William Incarnacion at 18-1 and will be the opponent from the Dominican Republic. That's the co-feature fight on this ESPN top-ranked card coming on Saturday night. And in looking at the odds of that fight, Nova is minus 2,000 to get the win. So heavily favored here at 20-1 to to get the win. Incarnacion, even though 18-1, and not that tested out of the Dominican Republic, is a 10-1 to underdog in this battle for the co-feature fight. So that's pretty much it for the fight cards uh, for this weekend. Not much else of significance, at least on the worldwide stage. Again, Gary Russell will defend his version of the W, uh, the WBC version of the, of the featherweight championship. That's coming on Showtime next weekend uh, in action. So that's a title fight for next weekend. And uh, again, not much here at the end of the month. Um, either in terms of world title fights. So we'll wait and see what happens. Um, on January 29th, it is uh, Junior Makabu, the cruiserweight, uh, defending his WBC cruiserweight championship unbeaten. He's the guy that Canelo Alvarez wants to fight down the road if that fight can be made. Makabu will be in action in Warren, Ohio on a Don King card uh, coming at the end of the month. So in any event, we do have one title fight this weekend. Again, it's Joe Smith Jr., Steve Graffard. Graffard uh, not given much of a chance to hang in. We'll wait and see. Uh, if he is able to do so on Saturday night. For now, we will uh, wrap things up on this edition of the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. My thanks again to Dan Lust of uh, the Garagos Law Group and also New York Law School, the New York School of Law. Professor Dan Lust with me and also the Conduct Detrimental Podcast and website, giving some more insight into the whole Terrence Crawford-Bob Arum thing. I'm just going to say one more time. I mean, Bob Arum was with Muhammad Ali for the better part of two decades of Ali's career, uh, discovered and worked with Marvin Hagler, worked with Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Fighters of color all throughout the 90s and the 2000s. I mean, Bob Arum is still working with Shakur Stevenson, uh, with Jamel Herring, and, and uh, other black fighters in, in top rank. I, I just I don't go along with the whole racism angle versus the breach of contract. It's one thing to say that uh, you're unhappy with Aaron because he didn't get you a, a lucrative fight, didn't get you the biggest fight you could have gotten on pay-per-view. 
But to take the next step and accuse it uh, as, as racial out of line, as far as I'm concerned with Terrence Crawford. Where's the proof? Show me the proof of that. As I said with Dan Lust, it would be one thing if he was advancing white fighters for much more money as opposed to black fighters within his stable. That that would be one thing to be able to prove that. Where is the burden of proof, though, on that for Terrence Crawford? I'm just I've been watching too much law and order, I think. Uh, at this point. But anyway, thanks to Dan Lust for helping me straighten that out. For now, we are done. We are good. Enjoy the fights this weekend, including the ESPN top-ranked show coming in New York. Uh, A reminder again, wherever you found this podcast, to follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, just search Big Fight Weekend. Hop aboard, and uh, we are anxious to have more and more of you. Thousands and thousands and thousands of you have found us at the end of 2021. Keep doing so here in 2022 through the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of shows and their site, et cetera, and subscriptions. Keep subscribing. We come your way in the preview mode each and every weekend. For now, we are done. I'm TJ Reeves. Thanks for being with us here as part of the latest edition of the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Enjoy the fights. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.